On this episode, I talk about the Delphi murders, I report on a couple of faked kidnappings, I analyze two stories regarding teenagers who were found alive, and I cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including some personal Halloween stories. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for October 31st, 2022. Happy Halloween to everybody. How is everybody tonight? Of course, it's October 31st, 2022. I know last week, last Monday, October 24th, I wasn't sure if I would be doing this show uh, on Halloween or not. I was thinking maybe I'll push it off to Tuesday, November 1st. And then I said, the heck with it. The show must go on as scheduled. So here we are. And it is a, uh, dare I say it, is it is a perfect night in Pinellas County, Florida for trick-or-treating, dare I say it. I mean, today was beautiful. The sunset was top 10 all-time probably tonight. Clear sky, not a cloud out there, uh, just crazy, perfect temperature, not trying to rub it in, but I don't think uh, they could have planned Halloween any better than they have as far as the weather goes. So I'm sure right now, even though it is 9 o'clock Eastern, there are kids and families out there going house to house. And I hope they're all having a good time, having a safe time. And I hope the kids get all the candy that they want. hope they're going to all the right houses. You know, there are some people that give out Let's just admit it, the crap candy. So um, I hope they're all having a great night. All of us, we're doing this live show, or I'm doing this live show. You're listening, you're watching, or maybe you're doing both. Maybe you're out there with your children or even yourselves trick-or-treating, and you're listening to this live show at the the same time. That would be fantastic. So uh, happy Halloween to you. And I'm going to have some Halloween stories here uh, before we finish the night. Um, Before we get started too deep into this, please give this um, live show a thumbs up. You know how how that helps us with the YouTube algorithms. You know it. You know it. Please just do that right now. You know you want to. You know you have to. You know what it's expected. Just do it. Share this live show with anybody who you think might find it interesting, enjoyable, entertaining, dare I say. Like it. And if you're so inclined, please join. You see all these people with the little green names and little gold stars. Or I should say gold circle with black stars. 
Um, those are all people who are members of this channel and they get secret stuff. So hit the join button below to find out what that secret stuff is. Doesn't cost a lot. It costs uh, per month just a little bit more than a king size candy bar does these days. And then uh, maybe most elementary, my dear Watson, uh, hit the subscribe button down here. We're doing, we've done very well on the subscribers this year. Uh, it does seem we're going to be very close to going over 15,000 subscribers before the year's over. It's going to be, um, going to be close. I think we're going to make it to 15,000 before the year's over. And that would be pretty cool. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Let's see who's in here and uh, get into some of the, uh, you know, the stuff that I usually start off this live show with. Personal stuff, funny stuff, interesting stuff. And, oh, if you're wondering, uh, I dressed as a podcaster tonight like I have done for the last uh, six or seven years. Hello, Moana. Uh, gets in there first. Happy Halloween with a little clown uh, emoji. Nephew Charles, what's going on? Charles, did you happen to see, I'm going to be talking about it later, that trial that I took part in. Uh, the verdict, verdict came down today, so it does not seem I will have to make a third trip out to Colorado. And then Moana is also giving us the devil sign. Wow. And then the pumpkins from Charles. Hello, Karen. Hello, Deborah. Everybody's using these uh, cool Halloween emojis. I'm jealous. Hello, Kathy. Jasmine. Suzanne, Cherie, uh, thank you for moderating tonight. Sorry your baseball game got rained out. Valerie, Boston, good to see you. I enjoyed the follow-up to uh, Mark Allen. Excellent. Thank you, Boston. Ferry, Ferry got your email. Uh, now it's uh, cool to know your real name. I will not reveal it to everybody. Hello, Ferry, uh, coming to us from Olympia, Washington. Never been there. Spleen is back in the house. I'm about to get a bunch of kids ringing the bell. We get a lot here. Good for you, Spleen. I hope you are generous. Spleen, you have to let us know uh, what kind of candy are you handing out tonight. And trick-or-treating and listening. And hello, Veronica. And then she also is stating, to remind everybody, you can find us on TikTok. TikTok's been doing uh, very well with me just putting in the intro and then the 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 last part of the summation or the summary that I do at the beginning before the interview plays. Those videos have been doing very well, and that was uh, Sheree who recommended I start doing that. So uh, thank you to all. And maybe as I'm talking tonight, I know all of you like to chat amongst yourselves, but maybe you want to reveal some of your favorite Halloween movies or TV shows, uh, horror movies, things like that. Maybe you want to type out some of those. As the show continues tonight, I'll, I'll, I'll get it started. Uh, everybody knows that one of my uh, favorite Halloween time movies is The Fog with uh, Adrian Barbeau uh, playing the radio host. I don't know. It's just something about that movie. I can remember going to a sleepover. You know, of course, that movie came out in like 1980, but it must have already been on like HBO or Showtime in the early 80s. I went to a sleepover, must have been 12 years old, and there were a bunch of other 12-year-old boys there. 
And it must have been around Halloween, like 82, something like that. And that was one of the movies that played that night while we were over at this kid's house. And I remember watching it. It's just kind of stuck with me. And on top of that, Adrian Barbeau, uh, hottie, uh, can't help it. Uh, of course, she was also in Escape from New York and The Toxic Avenger. Or no, Swamp Thing. I'm sorry, The Swamp Thing. Um, fantastic. So I'll get it started with like The Fog. And then uh, just this evening as I was doing some unfound work, I had uh, The Thing on, the one with Kurt Russell in it. Um, love that movie. I know it was kind of um, – didn't get very good reviews, didn't do very well at the box office, but now it's seen as being one of the greatest horror movies of all time, and I think everybody can understand why. Of course, I'm a big Kurt Russell fan anyway, and it really killed me that they made him the bad guy in the second Guardian Guardians of the Galaxy uh, movie. Of course, I also like uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, so go to the whole other side, I guess. It's uh, it's uh, it's a great pumpkin. Charlie Brown is fantastic. Although you can't watch it on regular TV, I guess it's on Apple Plus or something now. Uh, I used to have it DVR'd on my old DVR system, but that's been replaced. So uh, those are some maybe to get all of you started. If you want to let me know, like I said, some of your favorite horror movies that we usually associate with uh october um just this whole month of october leading up to halloween another one is christine somebody said here stephen king movies christine a big time fan of that movie as well uh what's uh spleen says i hand out reese's hershey's mr goodbar skittle starburst wow you must no wonder your house must be uh popular spleen you hand out all the good stuff you're not shorting any of the kids at your house. Good for you, Spleen. And Stitching, what's going on? Hello, Stitching. Happy Halloween to you. Deborah says The Exorcist. You know, it's weird, Deborah. I, I've seen that movie. I know how well it's regarded. It did fantastic uh, when it came out in the 1970s. Um, if you don't know, Deborah, maybe you haven't mentioned this before, but I actually met the director of that movie back in about 1999 at a film festival. And unfortunately, his name escapes me. He's the same guy who directed The French Connection, which is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies. He just happened to be at this film festival, and I actually met him. Maybe people don't realize that that, that the, the guy, if you're familiar with the film The French Connection, he also directed The Exorcist. That's pretty cool. So, um... Stitching asks, have you seen the new Halloween? No, I have not uh, stitching. The, the first one with Jamie Lee Curtis, who was also in The Fog, by the way, was excellent. Screaming says uh, Pet Cemetery." Okay. Um, Boston says, that's so cool you got to meet him. Yeah. It was uh, unexpected. I think the way that happened was we were showing uh, as a fundraising event, we um, – we were showing the French connection because it was being held at the Paris, Las Vegas in Las Vegas, the, the hotel casino and being that the movie's called the French connection. We had a fundraising event 
It was a special cut of the French Connection, and uh, he showed up to represent it and to talk about it and everything. It was pretty cool. Stitching says, was not too crazy about the newest. I'm a, I'm a Halloween fan. Okay, Stitching. Sorry to hear that. First Halloween is excellent. Uh, the one that came out in the 1980s with, uh, um, you know, somewhere around 86, 87, I thought was pretty good. Other than that, it just seems they've been a little hokey to my opinion. But um, the first one and I think the fourth one, really good. Of course, we can't forget like Friday the 13th, which were big, you know, with me growing up. I was like the perfect age when those came out. And then Nightmare on Elm Street, same thing. Uh, Beetlejuice, you know, all those types of movies, like I said, that we normally associate with um, Halloween time. So uh, once again, if you feel like uh, chiming in with your favorite productions, uh, maybe some of you are into what is it called? Hocus Pocus or whatever. So there you go. Those are some of them. Disc golf, uh, I played okay yesterday. Not great. If I putted, well, I could have really had a nice round. Certainly better than I played a couple weeks ago and went over there to Picnic Island. I don't even know what place I came in. I shot three under, which I don't think is a very good score. But felt good out there. And uh, I am i don't play in another tournament until like December. So, and then after that, I don't know when I'll play again. I'll surely play in February uh, for my buddy's, my friend Cameron's big tournament. But um, just kind of cutting back, going to be just working on my game. And you can't work on your game and play in tournaments at the same time. You can't do that, just wasting money because you know you're going to get – you're not practicing and going to a course and practicing everything. It's just a recipe to just not do well. So uh, – but I played yesterday. It was good to get out. I was one of the first groups out in the course at like 8 in the morning or something. It was absolutely beautiful out there, Picnic Island over there in Tampa. So there you go. Screaming says, Adrian Barbeau was also in the segment, The Crate of the Creep Show, 1982. You know, I don't remember that screaming, but I think I have seen that. So I don't remember that. Spleen, I hear music. We have neighbors who go all out. I should go see, but my husband is out with my son, so I have to pass out the candy. I see Spleen. Fishing, hey, all finally catching a live. Uh, what's going on? Fishing, good to see you. We were just talking about favorite uh, Halloween TV shows and movies fishing if you want to get in on that. And uh, moving on, next uh, kind of personal stuff. I think that I've finally seen my dentist for the last time for a while. Went and got uh, this permanent bridge put in uh, over here. Everything went fine today. They didn't even have to shoot me up. And so I was there, though, for like, I think, 45 minutes just trying to get it right. The biggest thing is it'll fit, but is the bite right? You have to make sure that it's not too high and because then that'll really cause your teeth to be sore and maybe you'll start cracking teeth again. So we had to mess around with that uh, for a little while. But I came home and I've I had dinner and everything. The chewing seemed to be OK, so I think we found a winner here. and. You know, he's looked at all of my teeth now. I don't have any more cavities or any cracks or anything else. So I think, except for cleanings, that I'll be done at the dentist for a while. You just don't know how happy that would make me. And I want you to know, love my dentist. 
Dr. Harkins, good guy. Got along with him, funny. Not cheap, but what are you going to do? Um, I, I feel very fortunate uh, to, to, to find a dentist that, you know, uh, is good. And it's like finding a good person to work on your car. But, uh, but you know, if you're going to the dentist, you're spending money. <laughs> so I, it is just uh, – I just have to tell you, the amount of money I've spent on my teeth over the last year and a month, and I'm still – like I said, I'm still on a payment plan for this for like the next not quite a year. It is an obscene amount of money. Not blaming him, but – uh, not good. Uh, and it's a lot of things that came together that, uh, you know, set this all up. You know, this is something where I put it off for a long time and then the bill came due and this is the bill literally. So it's, um, Deborah says William Friedkin is the director. Yes. Of the exorcist of, um, the French connection. Yes. I met him. 1999 must have been September 1999. Oh, I was a young, uh, I was just a young lad of 29 years old. Uh, just a little more than a year living in Las Vegas, but it was such a spectacular time. Such a good time. Uh, thank you. Coffee. Uh, spleen says my dentist is great. Fishing says X minus one. None of y'all will remember that show crazy at all times. Once a week. I don't, I've never heard of that show, Fishing. Thank you. So, yeah, go, went to the dentist, just had to get it kind of – I went there on Thursday, but it just – they had gotten the permanent, but it just wasn't quite, quite right. So they had to send it back out. It came in this morning. I went over there at 3 o'clock, and everything went fine. Other things going on with me uh, in an hour and 45 minutes – Possibly somebody, if not more than one person's life, is going to be permanently changed when the Powerball numbers get pulled at 11 p.m. Eastern. I have my ticket. In fact, I think it's sitting right over there. I told that funny story last Monday of what happened. Of course, my numbers didn't hit. Nobody's numbers hit for the big money. And now we are up to $1 billion, and I think it's even more than that. Uh, maybe 1.1 or 1.2 in the end due to everybody uh, buying all these tickets. And when that happens, the, the, uh, the amount goes up. This is the second largest lottery in the history of the world. The number one was back in early 2016. It was like one and a half billion in three different people or groups won. So they split it three ways. Um, but I got my tickets. I got my numbers. I should say it's just some numbers on one piece of paper. And I think I'm due. Uh, my numbers are horrible. I've looked them up. They don't come up very often. So I think I'm due. We were talking about that at the, uh, dentist today. I'd asked the doc and his assistant, uh, you know, if they got their numbers and, and she said the assistant said she was going to get hers after her work was done today. So I hope she does. But it's going to be uh, – could be a big night. Or nobody could hit it and surely come Wednesday for the next Powerball, uh, it could be 
you know, of course, the number one drawing all time, probably most likely would be. So big time. It's just a disgusting, disgusting amount of money. Um, if you don't know, uh, if you take the lump sum at a billion dollars after taxes and everything, of course, it depends on your state taxes. Here in Florida, we don't have any state income tax. But it comes out to roughly $460 million that you'll get after all the taxes and are paid and everything if you take the lump sum. If you take the annuity over 30 years, so you get one payment a year, which I think it's around $14 million or something like that, uh, you end up getting a lot more money. But, of course, you have to wait for it. Uh, I think that if you do the annuity, then it ends up being something like 650 to you know somewhere in there six so you get quite a bit more money if you're willing to wait for it for 30 years or you could just have the 400 some million right away i guess it just depends it depends if you feel like you can discipline yourself or if you're an older person who wins you know in your 60s you want to get it. You're not going to be around for a while. You know, you want to give to your kids, your grandkids, your friends. Whereas maybe if you're 30 and you hit it, maybe then the annuity makes makes sense if you can if you can stay disciplined. That is, if you can stay disciplined. But very possible that somebody's life will be changed, or multiple people's lives would be changed. And I would like to think of somebody. Like my, I know my brother Brian's playing. Some other people, um, probably in my family, are playing. I would like to think that they wouldn't forget me if they won. In fact, my sister uh, Charles's mother, who's Charles in the group here in this chat, uh, she called me earlier today, and we were talking for a bit. And Powerball came up, and she did remind me. Well, you know, make sure to take care of your favorite sister, and I assured her that I would. So we had. A laugh about that. Um, Deborah says, is there any truth that they made an arrest in Delphi Kennings? Yes, I'm going to be talking about that, Deborah. And Screaming says, call me crazy, but I don't think I would want to be that rich. I don't know. Oh, come on, Screaming. Don't, uh, don't get all modest on us now. Don't get all modest on us now. You'd figure it out, Screaming. I know that it sounds like a huge headache to have having all money like that, but you have to be disciplined. You have to, I guess you have to be somewhat secretive about it. You're just going to have to keep the same head. You're going to have to stay calm. And you just have to realize that, uh, now granted, people have turned winning the lottery into bad things. All right, people have done that. And you, we know those stories, in fact, here in Florida, the the dentist and I were talking about it today. There was a guy in Lakeland who won twenty or thirty million dollars some years ago. He was murdered because of it. But on the other hand, it seems to me he was kind of hanging around the wrong people even before he hit the lottery. So I feel bad for him. It's horrible. But you gotta, no matter if you're rich or poor or on the verge of hitting Powerball or not, um. You got to choose your friends and uh, wisely. Got to do that. 
and not put yourself in a position where you can be murdered and and the, those types of things. And I think it was like a woman in his life who actually did it. Maybe she had, of course, maybe she had some help. So there are certainly stories out there of people winning large amounts of money, maybe not five hundred million dollars, but even twenty or thirty million dollars, and have blown all of it. You can see those stories, but you have to remember, lots of people have won big money over the years. Those people who have destroyed their lives winning that money, those are the exceptions. The only reason people know about them is because they get all attention because it's so outrageous that that happens to people. But you don't hear about the hundreds, if not thousands of people who have won 10 million, 20 million, 50 million, 100 million, 400 million, and you never hear from them again. Why? Because they manage their money well. That's why you don't hear about them. They do the smart thing. And so it can be done. And that's, you know, I have to believe that 95% of the people who win, you know, these big jackpots, you know, these, you know, what I would call an obscene amount of money, at least from, you know, my world, you know, when you say obscene, obscene, it's like 10 million above a million dollars. I mean, I take a million. Of course, I think anybody would, even the richest person in the world would, but you know what I'm saying. Most of the people handle it just fine screaming. And so I think you can do that too. You can do that. Veronica, I just want to be comfortable and not worry about bills. Money can change people. Money can change people. It can be. You just have to have, you have to have that character. You have to have that integrity. And that should come along with no matter what tax bracket you're in. Shree says, I would like you to think you wouldn't forget me. Oh, I got plans, Shree. Don't you worry. And in fact, I've kind of talked about some of those plans when Powerball and Mega Millions have gotten high in the past about what I would do. I think I've been very vocal about some of these things. And then uh, we would, of course, uh, pedal to the metal with missing persons cases and everything, Shree. So don't you worry about that. Fishing says, that's why I never win it. Uh, hello, Twinkle. Good to see you, Twinkle. Look at you. Sharice says, I actually know that story about from here in Florida. He won the lottery and she killed him, but tried to make it look like he was still alive. That's right, Sharice. Yeah, that happened over in Lakeland, which is where I was had a speaking engagement at Florida Southern College back in September. Right, 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 right. So it's nice to dream. And I think I know this sounds kind of corny and everything else, but. If you do play Powerball and Mega Millions, and you should know that I do, but only when it gets up to these crazy amounts of money. I think my my limit is, of course, I keep an eye on the numbers anyway because I play the same numbers all the time. But you, know, you always hope it doesn't hit when you don't play. That's like that. That would be like the worst thing ever. But I usually don't play until it gets up to about three hundred million. Because remember, it's going to be cut in half at least. So, and then you might have to split it with somebody else and everything else. So you got to, if you really want to be comfortable and everything, you know, where you feel like you don't have any worries and you can really treat the people in your life well, friends and family, people who have stuck through with you through, you know, tough times and all those things. If you think those people need, you know, should be rewarded, then you're probably going to have to win a considerable amount of money, probably. So for me, I usually wait 250, 300 million, 
before it starts getting uh, my attention. But that's how what I do. And then there's Jill coming to us from Arizona. Hello, Jill. So moving on, uh, what do I want to talk about now? Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be without start without I'm going to be without my car for the next few days, starting tomorrow morning. Finally, getting the roof painted. These uh, Hyundai's of certain years they have peeling paint, and you if you do a Google search, you'll sign, find a bunch of them. And my car is one of those. And luckily, it's not it it really started like the beginning of this year and it seemed like a you know right along the edge of the windshield it started peeling away on the roof luckily it kind of stopped probably because i stopped getting my car washed because if you go into a car wash with the brush it'll just take that paint right off because it's a defect luckily though um, it hasn't gotten much worse than that. Still, the entire roof is going to have to be stripped and painted. But that'll start tomorrow morning. Going to drop my car off. My brother Brian's going to pick me up. They'll need it for a couple days in a very reasonable price to get it. Hyundai's not going to cover it. Um, very reasonable price. Get it done in a couple days, and then I won't have to think about that anymore because it has been bothering me for a while. I live in a salty area right next to the Gulf. It's a humid climate. It's like the perfect recipe for rust. Luckily, that hasn't happened, but it could happen at any time. At least the metal on the car is of a high quality, but it got to get done. So uh, that starts tomorrow morning. So I'm going to be without my car for a few days, which I don't think will be too weird. I don't go many places anyway. And so some of my uh, Halloween stories, I said uh, before I want to get into... And uh, please, everyone, if you have some favorite Halloween movies or TV shows that you'd like to uh, put in the chat room tonight, being that this is Halloween, please feel free to do so. I'd love to see some of people's uh, tastes. Here are some things that I remember about Halloween, uh, you know, growing up and then being a, an adult with Halloween. Um Really couldn't do a ton of trick-or-treating out in the country in, in Gilpin. So I have to admit, I, you know, there are pictures of me at like my grandparents in Apollo, Pennsylvania and everything. But you really couldn't do, you know, that traditional um, walking from house to house on a sidewalk out where I lived. Although where I lived, there were some houses that were next to each other. But I have to admit not many of those people wanted you to show up anyway. So I have to admit, as a, as a child, really could not do a lot of trick-or-treating. And so for my life, really never, you know, it was really never a thing that that, that was a thing. Uh, although I did dress up, we would have like elementary school um, and everybody going to, and I had some fantastic uh, costumes. I dressed up as a stormtrooper one year. I was a pirate one year. Um, you know, this is a couple of the costume costumes that I remember. Then I got older, got into high school, and I can remember there was a there was a house that all of the teenagers in Leechburg knew that. You know, we would go running around the streets of Leechburg, even though I lived out in the country. But 
I can remember doing this like before and after like drama club. Cause drama club would get together in the evening at the high school at like 7 PM or something. And so the sun would be down or would be down like by five 30. And there was a family called the Sendries who lived up on the hill in Leechburg who were notorious. If you went up and threw corn at their house or, or something, they would call the cops. Well, that's exactly what all the kids wanted. So we would go up there and we'll park our cars down the street in the alleyway. We'd go up there. We would just hammer this house with corn. And you'd see the lights come on and you'd go running a car and you'd be going the one way and the cop car would be going the other way. That's one of the memories I have of, um, I think the statute of limitations has passed on that, right? I don't have to get in trouble in 2022 for doing that way back in like 1986 or 87, right? But we used to do that. They were just notorious. And we'd do that all over Leechburg. All over Leechburg. Now, granted, throwing corn in a house does not hurt anything. It doesn't break anything. Maybe it's a little tough, you know, hard for the people to clean up. But just one of those kind of prankster things you did in a little town when there wasn't much else to do. But every, I was just, I could just remember doing that stuff, going around doing that. And it was very fortunate for me that I grew up next to a cornfield. <laughs> That's true. In fact, you should know, am I, you know, I may be a city dweller for the last 25 years. But when I, growing up, there was a cow pasture with cows in it, like 300 feet from my house. Just at the end of our property, there was a cow pasture right there with cows. Many cows. So uh, I am a country boy, I guess, at heart somewhere. But that's one of my other stories and then, like, um, going to costume uh, parties as an adult, I went to one. There, there was a really big one that I had when I – somebody had when I worked at Star Trek. But I didn't dress up. Some people did. I didn't dress up. But it was huge. It was pretty cool. And then when I worked with the Magic Show and the Rat Pack Show – all the people who worked in entertainment were uh, uh, invited to the amazing Jonathan's haunted house at his warehouse. He was like a magician, but like a, kind of a gory ma magician. And um, everybody in, in, in who worked in entertainment in Las Vegas got invited to his warehouse. And he would have everything set up like a haunted house and you'd have to go through and everything. But I have to admit, it got a little bit X-rated after that. Where uh, once you made it through this makeshift um, haunted house and kind of got like into the back of the building and everything. Um, how much can I say? Uh, let's just say there was some... Uh, adult acts going on on stage. Let's just leave it at that. So, th so that was like a couple years of that when I lived in Las Vegas. Um, I remember one year when I still lived in Pennsylvania, dress. Whoa, dressing up as Speed Racer. Hold on here, my TV just came on. Hold on. 
don't know why that happened. <laughs> I thought the TV was off. So um, that was so I just had a speed racer one year. And so those are some of my uh, Halloween stories. I'm not even sure if the amazing Jonathan still does that. Like I said, that was 15 years ago. I don't even know if he has a show in Vegas anymore. I don't even know any of that stuff. But um, it was crazy. But that just shows you, uh, you know, he would just hire some, let's just call it porn stars to show up and do shows on stage once everybody got through the haunted house and everything. So there's that. It was like I said, Las Vegas was crazy. And as you know, I don't drink, I don't do drugs, and Las Vegas was still crazy for me. So go figure. So what's everybody saying uh, here? Uh, Ferry says, since it's a defect regarding my car, uh, why do you still have to pay for it? Yeah, Ferry, uh, you know, I've read up about it and it's, it's a combination of things, Ferry. It's because the car is being, you know, the, the issue, Ferry, is that the cars don't peel right away. It's not like you buy it and then a week down the road, it takes some years it depends on where the car is, what kind of climate it is in, but it's certainly something they got wrong at the factory, but they're going to make it jumps through hoops and hoops and hoops and hoops. And there was a lawsuit in California that did not go through. So it's really not that much money to get it painted. So I, I'm just going to do it. And I just don't want to think about it anymore. Moana says, Creep Show, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, Jasmine says, Bewitched and Charmed and Supernatural. I have to admit, I don't, uh, Bewitched from the 1960s. Uh, I did watch that in reruns with Elizabeth Montgomery. I watched a few of the Charmed shows, but never got into Supernatural. Veronica says, Yikes, I'm guessing to my amazing Jonathan story. Deborah says, Also reacting to that. Uh, Sheree says uh, that I she went to a haunted house in Houston in the early 90s, and I'm surprised I'm still alive. Crazy, weird things happening there. You know, we have this, um, uh, some just regular haunted houses in Las Vegas that were kind of like 18-wheeler trailers, like, put together that I thought were really, really well done. You know, they had real people in them dressed up. Uh, that I thought I went to a few of those when I, when I lived in Las Vegas over the years. Maybe they have them in the Tampa area too. I don't even know. But so, um, yeah, they, I went to quite a few of those types of things. But the the amazing Jonathan ones, of course, stick out. And the thing is, it wasn't like you got to go to these things for free. You got to go to this party for free, and so you get through there, and you knew it was waiting at the end. It was no secret, I guess. But it had fantastic drinks, fantastic food. I mean, he really, really, really did it up. I mean, really, really. Not for kids. <laughs> but really, it was it was really good. Uh, Suzanne says, oh, my TV coming on, a ghost visiting your house. Oh, Suzanne, very nicely done. Maybe that was a ghost that turned that TV on. I think the reason that happened is because I think I had it off but on pause and then the pause flipped off screaming says partied in the caves of st paul minnesota back in 1994 crazy times i will never regret illuminated the caves with jack-o'-lanterns that sounds pretty cool sheree says the 90s survival of the fittest it was sheree you tell everybody we lived it 
Uh, Charles nephew Charles says I worked at a haunted hotel, the Oxford in Denver. Disappointed to have never seen anything weird happening. Yeah, must be. Uh, you know, Charles. Maybe it was just marketing. <laughs> I, I think that's probably where you're thinking too. But maybe. I don't know. But uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not a big believer in ghosts and everything, but I am fascinated with Halloween, and I love TV this time of year. Um, even though I haven't dressed up for Halloween in years and years and years. Uh, the 90s rock, Shelly says, the real high was almost here on time, but the phone rang. Uh, Charles says, it's also agreeing with me. Maybe it was just good marketing. Yeah. Okay. And then is there anything else? Uh, I think that's about it as far as personal stuff, Halloween stuff, things going on in my life since we all got together uh, a week ago. And, um, yeah, so that's what's going on. And, you know, as you all know, I live in a condo building where it's, you know, like I continue to say, I think I'm the youngest person living in this building and I'm 52, even though I rent, I don't own. So no trick or treating going on in this place. And in fact, it's probably not enough. That's probably a, you know, there aren't a ton of people living in this building right at this moment, but it might be enough if there were kids going door to door and the people did have candy that my kids might make out okay, maybe. But I just don't even know if that's even allowed here. I don't know. So those are some of the things going on. All right, let's get to the true crime portion of this live show tonight. Uh, you know, I just. You know, I love sharing the stuff with you. I love your, I love reading your responses to some of the things that I say. And uh, as you know, I really don't follow what other true crime hosts do. I know, like I said, I think this is one of the very, very, very few live shows that is weekly where uh, the host comes to the audience with an agenda and it's scheduled and it follows a format every week seems to me they do people do live shows once in a while but it's more like q a or something like that but i i'm also unsure of how many of these other hosts really reveal as much as themselves uh as i do i really don't know maybe some of you want to comment on that in the chat as well i know many of you do listen to other true crime podcasts or watch other true crime channels and you'd probably have a way better handle on that than I ever will regarding people talk, a host talking about their private lives and things like that. I'd have to think that I'm probably one of the most transparent hosts out there. Although there are things that I do not talk about. Fortunately, fortunately for all of you, um, screaming the real, probably already November 1st that the, yeah, the real's already, she's already well, uh, the real in Australia is already well into November 1st. We should tell us the real, how did you do anything for Halloween? Maybe you want to let us know. Let's move on. Uh, I'm going to talk about the poll and then we, uh, have to get into Steve Pankey once again. Uh, of course, this past Friday was the uh, we covered the disappearance of Mark Allen from Des Moines, Iowa, in 1986. His brother Chris, who was only ten at the time, was the guest. 
And uh, the poll, I, I put the poll in in the discussion group. And then, of course, we did the think tank at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. And in the discussion group, the number one choice has been that all three of the disappearances, so Mark's, Johnny Gosh's, and Eugene Martin's disappearances, they are all connected. So uh, the same person or the same group caused all three of their disappearances. That was the most common answer. However, uh, another answer got some decent, uh, a, a decent number of votes, and that was that Mark's is separate from the other two. So the other two are connected, but Mark's is not. So I found I, I, I have to say I'm not surprised by either of those answers. Not personally what I think, but I can't say that I'm surprised by either of those answers. So in the discussion group, uh, the most popular choice was, yes, all three are connected. The second most popular choice was that Eugene's and John Johnny's are connected, but Mark's is not. That brings me to the think tank where it was much more mixed. And really don't want to get into all of it, once again, because it's a private group, although it was public a couple weeks ago for uh, the revisiting of Jason Jolkowski's disappearance. But let's just say it was mixed. A lot of different uh, possibilities and theories were thrown around. Uh, between all of them being connected, none of them being connected, kind of somewhere in between. We had a nice showing, six, seven, eight people in the think tank uh, last night, but very mixed. Um, not as pronounced uh, a decision as there was in the discussion group. Let's just say that. So, it, and we did. Not only did we talk about Mark's disappearance, but we gave. You know, we also talked about Johnny's and Eugene's as best we could, even though. All we have to go on are the media accounts. Of course, we've not covered either of those disappearances on Unfound yet. Maybe I will one of these days. Hard to say. So it was very mixed in the think tank. And I will tell you without getting into any specifics, I have to admit, I don't think any of them are connected. I think they are all three very separate events not at all committed by the same person. That's that's the conclusion that I've come to. So that was the Mark Allen poll between the discussion group, the think tank, and me, myself, and I writing the blog at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. You might want to think about joining. Let's see what everybody is saying here. Uh, Veronica says, I enjoy your style, Ed. Oh, thank you, Veronica. I would like to think that my style is unique. Uh, oh, one thing I did not put in the personal part, uh, although I did talk about it last week, is I went to the Iron Maiden concert on last Thursday night. It was spectacular. Uh, my buddy Dana and I had a fantastic time. Great seats. Great show. I hope I have that money. There's all those guys are in their 60s. I hope that I have that much energy when I get to be that age. Uh, just a fantastic show. The music, the um, the lighting, the special effects, 
just everything was just absolutely spectacular. And I can't wait to go again in 2024, probably when they'll be, they'll be coming back to the United States again, probably in 2024. And you know what? I'll be there, but it was a fantastic show. Um, it was well worth the wait. I had bought those tickets like December, 2021, I think. So I had to wait 10 months. I bought the tickets like 10 months in advance, right when they came out. And I think my buddy Dana, who had not seen Iron Maiden with Bruce Dickinson as the singer in 30 years, he's like my age. He had seen them in like the later 90s, but uh, Bruce Dickinson was not the singer at that time. He took off like about, what would it be, about six, seven years from the group. And they had another guy named Blaze Bailey as the singer who seems like a decent guy, but he's no Bruce Dickinson as far as talent and singing. But uh, my buddy Dana hadn't seen them with Bruce Dickinson in 30 years. So it was all good. So that's one more personal thing I forgot to put on the list. Um, Let's see. Uh, interesting. The Real says, another extreme weather event in for Halloween yesterday. It flooded downtown, so I'm not sure anyone did anything in the end. Wow. Wow. Okay, The Real. Uh, I, I'm hoping that your place was not damaged in any way, The Real. Hoping Shelly Shelly says run to the hills. Great Halloween song as well. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Iron Maiden is certainly a great group to see around Halloween time. You're exactly right, Shelly, especially when maybe their most, most well-known song is number of the beast. <laughs> just, just maybe, <laughs> just maybe, but, and they, they did do, of course, number of the beast. They do that at all. It's one of their most popular songs. And, um, of course, back in the 80s, that was controversial, or there were a lot of people who wanted to ban them. They got banned from the country of Chile for a while because they were thought to be Satanists and all these things, which is all absolutely hilarious. As I try to remain, everybody, um, it's just a show. Okay? It's just a show. It's just entertainment. They're very talented musicians. They play guitars, play the drums, play bass. Sing spectacularly. Absolutely, you know, and it seemed to be fine human beings. Have you ever seen interviews with any of them? And that's why I try to tell everybody, it's just a show. Okay, nobody, you know, if you're uh, of a religious or spiritual type, you listen to their music, does not automatically mean you have to, you know, say your prayers or go to confession or anything else. Just a show. Just a show. No different than watching a movie like The Exorcist or anything else. Just because you watch it doesn't mean you subscribe to these things. It's just it's just art. That's all it is. Um, Shelly says uh, that's what set off Tipper. I- I'm sure Iron Maiden was one of the groups that set off Tipper Gore back in the day. Yes, Shelly, probably. Uh, the Real says, I'm staying with my parents for a while. Their place didn't flood. It would take Armageddon for that to happen. Okay. Shelly, uh, very well said. Thank you. The Zavlor. I was just talking about my car, Zavlor. The car is great. The, the roof of the car, not so good, but that's getting fixed tomorrow for the next couple of days, and I won't have to think about that. Then after that, uh, what needs to be fixed on the car is, and I'm, I'm going to have them take a look at that while it's there over the next couple of days, is remember, 
Back in August of 2021, I backed into a tree. I was only going like one mile an hour, but still it did some damage on the driver's side back corner. And it still doesn't look right. And it's still the same. It's still the same. Uh, But unless you're really looking for it, you can't tell. But I may get an estimate on that while it's getting painted. These people probably could um, fix that too. So, uh, but the most important thing right now is the roof because I, the more I drove it, I was like, this thing starts to rust or anything. And then it's really, really big time problems. So, um, the real says people in other parts of town are posting videos of streets turning into rivers while the real, I'm sorry to hear that. Of course, we all know about that in Florida from uh, hurricane Ian three weeks ago. All right, moving on. Let's talk about Steve Pankey. Uh, I was going to talk about it tonight anyway, because the trial, uh, continued to go on through last week and I was prepared to talk about it, but I didn't know I'd be coming to the microphone tonight, um, with a conclusion to the trial. And the conclusion is that that jury found Steve guilty. Uh, of murdering and you know the other charges that kidnapping and but the serious charges that he avoided the first time around uh they came to the conclusion that Steve yes he did murder Janelle Matthews way back in December of 1984 and then put her remains where they are eventually found in July of 2019 uh this I, <laughs> this is one of those things where I can now understand why I'm in the information business and not the legal or law business. There are just things that go on in law and courtrooms that I guess uh, I don't have a good understanding of them. And in addition, I've never been on a jury. And given that I'm a podcaster who does true crime and follows disappearances and everything else, Probably I never will be on a jury. Probably. I think I'll, as soon as I, if that comes up, when they start asking me questions, that brings, I don't know if the prosecution or the defense would want my type of person being in a jury room. So maybe I've insulated myself by starting unfound six year, years ago of ever being on a jury. But I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to tell you, I thought it was going to be a hung jury again. In fact, Sheree and I were talking about this. And so when I texted Cherie earlier today telling me, oh, you know what? Jury's back. They found him guilty. Uh, she was stunned too. Even though, and you should know, Cherie and I, I think, don't agree on Steve's guilt. I still think he didn't do it. I still believe that. Cherie, I think she, if you can, I know you're in here, Cherie, moderating. If you'd like to, you could speak for yourself. But what does this then mean? Why is it then that the first jury was a hung jury, the second wasn't, and found him guilty? The problem we have is that we don't know what the split was the first time around. Maybe that will be revealed now, now that the trial is really, 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 really over. But we don't know what the split was the first time around. It very well could be that all but one juror did think he was guilty the first time around, but there was some holdout. 
maybe some person who just wanted to be fickle, maybe some person who um, maybe could actually identify with Steve and the issues that Steve had in his life and decided, well, even if I think that he did it, I'm going to allow him to get away with it. There are people like that. Hopefully those kinds of people get weeded out when the jury is getting selected, but that's very difficult. On the other hand, if we were to find out that the first jury split even, you know, you know, there's 12, six, six, and then this jury, all 12 found him guilty, then that would be really, really a lot harder to understand. Because my perception is that even though I talked about this last week and I talked to some people who testified right around the same time that I did, I think the woman was right before me and the guy was right after me. Um, it did seem that the prosecution, at least for other people, was taking much taking its time uh, a lot more. Although with me, I think they asked me fewer questions than the first time around. My perception. When we get the transcripts, I guess we'll know. But that's the way it, just I think about it now. I can't help but think also what's going on regarding his guilt. Because we have to remember, there is nothing, nothing connecting Steve to killing Janelle. I'm going to keep saying that over and over and over. That doesn't mean he didn't do it, but there's nothing. There was no DNA. They never proved that whatever caliber bullet was used to kill Janelle, that it came from a gun that Steve ever had. Nobody saw Steve on that street that evening. There was no proof that Steve was following Janelle or anybody else in her family around. There's no proof that he was following Russell Ross around. There's no reason he, no, nothing that, they could ever uh, figure out why he would have ever been on that street. How could he ever know that Janelle would be on by herself on and on and on and on and on. They never showed any of that. All they really could do was show how Steve acted all these years. The problem as I'm writing in the newsletter newsletter, by the way, newsletter will be out tomorrow evening. Hopefully you're on the list. If you're not unfoundpodcast@gmail.com. The problem is that there are a lot. Let's just let's just call Steve Woody for what he is. And I say this even though I got along with Steve fine. He was always respectful. He was courteous. Every interaction I had with him back in 2019 was fine. I do not have a complaint about him in any interaction we had at all. Even though you have to remember, I only spoke to him on the phone once when I did the interview. But he's a kook. There's something that whether he killed Janelle or not, even if he killed Janelle, all the things that he did over all these years make no sense. Either way, that's what you have to remember. Either way, guilty or not, the way he behaved and what he said all the, over all these years makes no sense. The issue, though, is, as all of you know, the true crime world is full of these people. Full of them. We have all sorts of, uh, I just use the word kooks. Uh, I, I happen to like the word kook because it's one of those palindromes, but it's just like one syllable and it's not kook. It's just a weird you know, word. 
Um, you know, there are kooks for Brian Schaefer's disappearance. There are kooks for Mar Murray's disappearance. There are kooks for Jennifer Kessie's disappearance. And Steve, to me, is just one of those. He just happens to be a more extreme version of those types of people. Steve and what he did over all of these years, in my opinion, is not that unique. It's certainly on the fringes. But it's not unique. There are all sorts of people who have claimed to know things about disappearances and unsolved murders and everything else who surely had nothing to do with them. This is my problem. And the issue, I think, is that the jury surely was not, unless they really follow true crime uh, in their everyday lives, I'm, I'm guessing maybe some of them. But, you know, the problem is I don't think you're even allowed to consider that. You're only allowed to consider what is presented in court. You're not allowed to rely on anything outside of that. But... Um, oh, you're having some audio issues. I don't know what to tell you about that. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm moving back and forth and stuff. I don't know, but it very well could be because of Halloween. More people are on social media, on the internet and everything. Sorry about that. But I'm wondering if the jury more understood that there were more people like Steve Pankey than it could ever be imagined that they would have come to this conclusion. This is something that's in my head. And I'm writing about it on the on the newsletter right now that will come out tomorrow night. That's one of the thoughts that I have. Not saying Steve didn't do it, but there there is surely no evidence that he did. I don't know if the standard is beyond a reasonable doubt. At least the way I understand how everything went in in this trial, I don't know how you get to that. But there's something there's something else though and all of you know this very well. As has come up in many disappearances that unfound is covered. Sometimes we get that prisoner that that person who's going to be in jail and that person suddenly says one day, "Oh yeah, I think I know something about the disappearance of John Smith." And, you know, I can remember, it's just coming to me now. There was some years ago, I had this certain cellmate, and he told me this, and he told me that. And what do we always think? It's all crap. And we know, for all intents and purposes, none of this stuff is ever proven to be true that any of these prisoners ever say. Ever say. Whereas, what do we know on the other hand? We realize that many disappearances that have been covered on Unfound are murders. And we know that there is only one person who could have committed those particular disappearances. We might think about some other disappearances. We might have some choices. But we cover so many disappearances, we're pretty sure it's a murder and there's only one suspect. And what does that suspect never do? Never admits to it never even intimates that he, most of the time, he had anything to do with it, knows any special information or anything else, even though we know that he did it. 
And dare I say it, there are a lot of disappearances that we've covered on Unfound where the argument can be made in, in a courtroom that these guys are way more responsible for the women in their lives' disappearances than Steve could than ever we could make an argument for Steve killing Janelle Matthews. Where I'm going with this is that usually the more people talk about a disappearance or an unsolved murder or something like that, the less likely the person actually was involved. <laughs> That's what I think we've learned after six years of unfound. Now, granted, some of these guys make up stories. Oh, yeah, she got in a white truck and took off. I don't know who was in the truck. I don't know where they were going. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But they surely never say anything like, well, you know, um, you know, if you um, give me fuel immunity, I'll tell you what happened. That never comes out of any of their mouths. But whose mouth do it, does that come out of? Some prisoner who surely cannot know anything about the disappearance. To me, Steve Pankey over the last 38 years has sounded more like that prisoner who doesn't know anything than a person who actually committed a crime. This is another problem that I have. But the jury thought otherwise. And I think there's something else that we have to mix into all of this, even though this is kind of what we might call jury nullification, is that it very well could be that they thought that Steve didn't do it, but they were afraid of finding him not guilty in case something would pop up a year from now, 10 years from now. Some piece of evidence just comes out of nowhere that shows that he actually did do it. And of course, double jeopardy would then apply and he wouldn't be able to be tried again. That also occurs to me. Because I think what is, what's obvious to me is that even though here in the United States we you know we have are supposed to have the attitude you know would allow you know it's much better to allow a guilty man to go free than to imprison a free man or an innocent man that's really not what goes on it's really not it's a nice thought but in the end everybody just usually plays things very safely so juries just find people guilty anyway and thinking, you know what, if he's not guilty, it'll all get figured out somewhere down the road. Of course, we know a lot of times it doesn't. But I think that was also at play in this, being that there was no physical evidence to connect Steve to the crime. But on the other hand, Norris Drake, who was offered up as, a, as a, an, an alternative, is dead. They thought, well, we'll send Steve to jail, and if he's not really guilty and it, something comes up, well, what are you going to do? I've convinced myself of that as well. Like I said, I, as you know, I wasn't in the jury or in the courtroom for anything other than when I had to do stuff. But having read uh, everything since from the Greeley Tribune, this trial was no different than the first trial. And as far as, as far as how the reporter reported on it. And the facts did not change. So, um, so many thoughts, so many thoughts, so many thoughts. Do I feel bad for Steve? Not 
really. Uh, do I think that he has some sort of mental problem? I do, but I'm not a mental health professional. But his behavior over the years does, just does, has never struck me as somebody who was guilty. Just strikes me as somebody who has an issue, obsession type of stuff all put together, which is something we see in disappearances all the time. So um, there you go. I know I've been rattling on for a while, and I'm just going to read all your comments. Now, I thought it could go either way considering the little ev- the little evidence, but him talking about it for all these years didn't make him look good. That's true, Jasmine. Coffee says, I don't think he did it either. The real – on jury splits, jury voting on a guilty verdict is more likely to be persuaded to change their mind than one who has been voting for not guilty. Shashri, I think while we disagree on guilt or innocence, we both agree there doesn't seem to be any evidence proving Steve is responsible. That's true. Uh, Shri says, I personally would like to read the transcript. Well, uh, I'll at least get my transcript, uh, Shri. Of course, the issue is you start getting the full transcript of the court of the entire proceeding. That does get a little expensive. Suzanne, I can't believe they found him guilty. Weird, yes. Guilty, no. Suzanne says the real... So if there was only one holdout on the first time around, they may have been the only person in the room who thought he was not guilty. That's possible, the real. We just don't know. We may find out now, now that everything's said and done, but I don't know. Everything, what's good? Good to see you, everything, 2020. What's going on? Yes, I believe he's not guilty, so what tied him to the murder beyond a reasonable doubt? I don't know. The Zavlor. Did the, did the accused have a public defender or a hired attorney? Well, the first time around, he had a hired attorney. The second time around, I think those the, the man and woman defending were both public defenders, I think. Karen, if he didn't do it, it's his own fault. He's in jail for, yeah, he's, um, yeah. And then Kathy's saying no audio is cutting in and out. Sorry to hear that. I hope it's fixed. Uh, he's a character, but that doesn't make him a murderer. Everything says, um, Screaming says audio is okay. Not sure what to make of that. Coffee says he's just a weird guy who gets the blame. The Zavlar, did he have uh, public defenders, I believe, Zavlar. Uh, Robert, happy Halloween. Uh, well, thank you, Robert. You too. Everything says jury got it wrong. Kathy says disagree with all the panky comments. In my opinion, he's guilty. That's okay, Kathy. I won't take it personally. Uh, everything each to their opinion. The real, we just had a very high profile case that got called off at the 11th hour due to jury misconduct because someone brought outside information into the jury room. The jury system is seriously flawed. Yep. That happens. People bringing up things in the jury room that, that were not included in the trial. Very common. And, uh, for the few days I was in the courtroom, I can tell you that the judge said to the jury, don't go on the internet. Don't look stuff up. Don't talk to each other about anything that's gone here. Don't, 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 don't. Everything. I would have put the father that dropped Janelle off that evening more guilty than Steve. So Russ Ross, okay, everything. Screaming. I think there is a good chance that Steve did it and also a good chance that he didn't do it. Thank you for being the politician in this group screaming. Shri Ed, were you sitting on the second row behind a man and woman? I saw a pic of someone that looked sort of like you, but the face was blocked out. Um, Cherie, when I wasn't up on the stand, I was sitting way back in the corner by the door to go in to, to come into the courtroom. 
that was surely not the second row. That was probably like the fifth row back from the prosecution side of the um, uh, of the courtroom. So no, I was not in the second room uh, row. I was way in the back in the corner. You could not get uh, farther away from the jury than I was, and I sat there so they couldn't see me. That's why I sat there. Uh, everything. Steve must have had bad representation because she should have been found not guilty as not one piece of evidence. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Spleen, uncleaned out. Just got back. All this candy's gone, huh, Spleen? Wow. Okay. Well, you know what, Spleen? The dentists in your area are going to thank you somewhere down the road, Spleen. Good for you. But uh, so there you go. Um, I guess it's finally come to an end. Do I see Steve filing an appeal? Probably. But we have to remember when it comes to appealing verdicts that you cannot uh, challenge any point of fact. When you appeal verdicts, it can only be based on procedure. For example, if he thought the prosecution did something wrong, if they didn't uh, show all of their information to the defense, or if Steve's attorneys could um, discover that one of the jurors did something wrong. But as far as the facts of the case go, those are the facts now. Now, very well, maybe that he could argue some of them shouldn't have been let in. That would be a procedure thing. But regarding facts, when you do an appeals, it's not like starting all over. It's not that. You have to argue that some procedure of law uh, was violated for the jury to come to the conclusion that it did. And although I have a lot of problems with with the, the verdict, and it doesn't sound to me like anything thing done here was – um, you know, illegal or unethical or anything else, not to my knowledge. All I, for what I provided to the prosecution, as far as I can tell, everything was absolutely 100% legal. They made me listen to the interview that I did with Steve. I signed off on it, off on it. They didn't tell me what to say when I got up on the stand. They didn't tell me before and what the questions were to me. Although, of course, the second time around, I kind of knew, being that I already done this once before. But they didn't coach me in any way, nothing. So being that they treated me that way, I'm going to have to guess they treated all the other people who were up there the same way. So I just, I just don't know. It, it seems to me at this point that Steve Pankey is pretty much screwed. Uh, Sheree says he was convicted of obstruction, so he wasn't getting out tomorrow. They will file an appeal on his behalf. I guess that's just procedure, right? Everybody's going to do that. Everybody's going to file an appeal just to, uh, you know, maybe they'll get lucky or something. (laughs) I don't know. Now, I did bring up something with Sheree earlier today uh, that I'm going to bring up all to all of you, and that is... Once Steve is sentenced and the the location of where he will be, I guess, for the rest of his life, I may try to start a correspondence with him. Letters back and forth. Uh, Like I said, I I had a good 
I guess it was a working relationship with him. Uh, I don't think that I did anything on the stand or anything that it should upset him in any way. It's his words in that interview. He's the one who did wanted to do the interview. At the end, he thanked me. He said that I treated him very fairly and everything. So, so I think once that is all established where he's going to be, uh, I think that I will attempt to start a correspondence with him. And maybe something can come out of it. Uh, I'm not looking to, uh, you know, try to get him out of jail or anything, even though I think that there are reasons to believe that he didn't kill Janelle. uh, And that's not really where I'm going with this. But now that we know that he lied about so many things he said in the interview that I did with him, maybe we can get to the bottom of that. Maybe we can get a little into what makes this guy tick. Maybe. And, um, of course, he's 71 years old. He's going to be in jail. Uh, We really don't know how long he will. We don't know how much of a sentence he will really be able to serve. It's a hard time. Being 71 years old, going to jail for the first time. Can't imagine it. Just cannot imagine it. But I'll give it a shot. Write him, uh, write him a letter. Maybe type it out on the doing it. All right, nobody wants to read my writing because I can't even read my writing. Uh, but I'll type something out. See if uh, we can maybe get something started with him, just to see what makes him tick. Uh, because I, I'm going to guess that over the last three years, I guess I'm probably one of the only people that he actually had a decent correspondence with except for maybe his attorneys (laughs) because everybody else is cops and uh, still, you know, other prisoners and everything else. Um, So maybe I can reach out to him and uh, you know, maybe we can, maybe we can get to more of a solid understanding of all of this. Maybe we can. And uh, maybe there will be things that, come out of him in a uh, writing situation is he sitting there staring at those walls knowing he's not getting out maybe he'll come to uh maybe he'll have a catharsis or something about it maybe he'll admit that he did it and you know go you know of course he could be lying about that too i don't know but i'm gonna think about it i'll probably do it and uh I don't know if I'd be if we do start a co- correspondence. I don't know if I'd be able to read any of his letters, but maybe I could summarize them or something. I don't want to get to the point where, should he find out, I'm just taking his letters and then reading them on the live show. I don't think that would be a good idea, but I think that would be a little unethical on my part. But maybe I could summarize them, just give an idea about you know what's going on with him what he said just kind of paraphrasing and everything so let's see on the other hand knowing steve maybe he'll want maybe he'll want all of his words to get out there knowing him that maybe that's more likely how he'd react to it we'll just have to see but i'm gonna do it uh good idea thank you everything i think your interview ed pulled me towards him being not guilty just didn't seem to me that kind of guy I did that with the Night Stalker, Ed. We sent letters back and forth before he passed on. I didn't know that everything. 
Um, so when you say the Night Stalker, you mean uh, Richard Ramirez, not the original Night Stalker. You mean Richard Ramirez, everything? You actually had letters back and forth for Richard Ramirez? Really, everything? Oh, my gosh. I'd like to hear more about that. Um, just some other things. Uh, like I said, newsletter, um, comes out tomorrow evening. The next unfound now is out, but it's only for members of this channel. So you'd, you'd like to get the unfound now early, uh, amongst a bunch of other stuff. Just hit the join button below. Uh, it's, uh, the newest unfound now concerned a disappearance from Juneau, Alaska. And I will be releasing to that to the public probably the beginning of next week. But if you'd like to become a supporter of Unfound, a supporter of this channel on YouTube, and then get to view that immediately, hit the join button down below. Would appreciate it. Um, yeah, Richard Ramirez, everything, yes. Uh, Shri says, I corresponded with Stephen Avery. You will have to remind me who he is, Shri. Ramirez, yeah, his favorite car was a Corvette. Wow. Okay. He was a scary-looking dude, the way I remember everything. Scary-looking dude. All right, let's move on to this. Probably the other biggest piece of information has to do with the Delphi murders. Uh, Liberty German and Abigail Williams, who were murdered about five years ago. There is now a man in custody his name is richard allen and uh, as sheree was texting me earlier today uh, you know the scary thing about this guy is he could, it doesn't seem he could be more normal this is a name that has never been mentioned before uh, of course many people have been many guys have had their pictures posted and they does it look like the guy and a lot of them did, but none of them were. It seems like police are now sure that this guy did it, although it seems that police also have a suspicion that maybe this was not something he did alone or maybe somebody else lured them there and he was waiting for them. You know, they're going to have to go through all of that. Now, granted, the although I did not watch the news conference today, I read uh, what a lot of people had to say about it. I saw some of your comments in the discussion group on Facebook actually um, watched a live video of some re local reporters there talking about it. And just was not a ton of information revealed. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised by that. But he worked at a CVS. He's married. He has kids. And I read where he lived a mile away from one of the girls. Not sure what one. And maybe what shouldn't surprise us too much, even though it may be his, the demographics of who he is, I, look, I did look him up, no criminal record that I could find, although I would admit sometimes uh, a couple of the databases that I use do not catch certain things. So the mistakes can be made. But uh, on the other hand, there are several people that I will look up, names who come up in covering disappearances. You look up their criminal records, and the criminal record's quite long. So. But for Richard Allen, uh, I couldn't find anything. But maybe what, like I said, what shouldn't surprise us is it seems he was right under the police noses the whole time. 
And my perception is that this happens a lot with these types of cases. That when children go missing, when children are murdered, that the culprit is right there in that area. It is not somebody who lived 500 miles away, 1,000 miles away. And, it, and as I've said many times, two-thirds of the time, it's an actual parent or guardian who caused the, the murder or disappearance. But for those situations where there are facts to show that it wasn't a guardian or parent, it's amazing how many times that the, these guys mainly are right under police. They're just right in that area. And it very well may be even sometimes that the police have talked to that guy and dismissed them. I don't think that happened here. But it did happen, for example, with Jacob Wetterling. Danny Heinreich was interviewed very early on after Jacob went missing. Police dismissed him. And years later, they turned out they were wrong. And actually, Danny Heinreich did kill Jacob Wetterling. Uh, Sheree did send me something, although I did not see it myself, that the grandmother of one of the girls stated that uh, the CVS was a place where they would take pictures to get developed. And at some time, Richard Allen actually allowed them to get pictures. You know, who gets pictures developed these days, by the way? (laughs) But anyway, um, he said something like, don't worry about it. Uh, It's on the house this time or something. That's what uh, one of the the grandmothers of one of these girls said. So is there a connection there? Did uh, Richard Allen working at the CVS at one point see pictures of Liberty and or Abigail and wanted to kill them or wanted to do something to them? I guess this reminds me of what was that movie called? Um, Was it one hour photo with Robin Williams? Where he worked at a he was worked at a place that developed film and he had, started obsessing on a family. He would they looked how they they how happy they looked and everything and become became obsessed with them. Is this this kind of situation uh, that we're talking about here? I don't know. Um, but most importantly, this is somebody new. Now, the remains were found on somebody else's piece of land, and these two guys connected. Could this be some sort of um, pedophile ring that set this off? Two or three guys set these girls up. I don't know if that's what the facts support right at this right at this time on Halloween 2022. I'm sure they'll be looking into that, but we have to remember. It's very possible that this guy did this all by himself. We also have to be open to the idea that it was completely just a chance meeting that day. That's not something I've subscribed to since I knew about these murders, although I'm not a murder guy. Um, But I said it does seem to me that these two girls were lured there. What are the odds they show up somewhere and some guy's there and happens to kill them? What are the odds? So maybe somebody did, maybe Richard lured them there. Somebody else did, and Richard was there waiting for them. All of it is hard to understand why they had to be murdered in the first place. Because I, I, I may have gotten this wrong. Somebody please correct me if I got this wrong. But um, these girls were not raped, right? They were just murdered. 
Or is that like information that has been like kept secret? Uh, some of you I know know about this much better than I do. But I do not think that these – at least it's never been made public that these girls were written. Uh, Veronica says never released. Okay. don't know. Has not been released. So we don't really know it very well. Maybe that they were. And as we all know, unfortunately, very sadly, that would make sense. But I think everybody's stunned. Uh, it's over the last few years. A lot of guys have been brought in. Everybody was sure that's the guy, that's the guy, this guy, that's the guy. This guy who was fishing or catfishing online and had the child porn. Everybody thought it was him, it was somebody else. Oh, that guy looks exactly like the sketch, and it didn't end up being that guy. And then one of the problems was that the sketches, really all the very variety of sketches did not look like the same guy, which didn't help. So, but in a way, given that I just went on for like a half hour about Steve Pankey, it's kind of the same thing. No, seemingly no connection between Steve Pankey and General Matthews. Will that be the same situation here? That, that there was no connection between Richard Allen and these two girls. That really it was. They just showed up there to hang out for the day and he just happened to be there and killed them all by himself for at least no reason that we can see right at this point. No, I don't know. And um, of course, on top of everything else, we aren't even sure what led them to Richard Allen. That was not revealed in the press conference today. So um, uh, let's go back here. Glad they got to add those were terrible crimes. Shortly. Press conference was very disappointing. They hyped it up all weekend for nothing. I also looked them up and found nothing. Poor girls. Kimberly says, the DA is willing to join your live right now and address your assertions. You mean, I don't know if uh, we really want to, I don't know if you're joking about that or not, Kimberly. But yeah, not kidding. Uh, I really, if he wants to be officially interviewed and stuff, I really have other things to talk about. This is uh, Steve Pankey. just one of many things that I have to get to before we're done. Uh, we, if he wants to do something like that and uh, in an official capacity, Kimberly, if you are there and this is all not BS, then we can make that happen. Uh, he can email me and I'm sure we can line something up and we'll play it as a special episode and everything else. And I'll just ask him the questions like I do everybody else, but I'm not going to do that here without being prepared. Um... Yeah, hope they have the right uh, – like I said, I, I'm not going to try to get into that uh, in a live show tonight because there are other things that I want to talk about. But I want to read the story about uh, Libby and Abby, Abby. It's a development loved ones of Libby and Abby have long prayed for. Uh, charges found in connection to the Delphi murder investigation. Indiana State Police announced Richard Allen of Delphi was charged with two counts of murder during a news press conference. Investigators provided little details besides the arrest and charges for Allen. And since the investigation was ongoing, any further details could compromise the case. While I know you're all expecting final details today concerning this arrest, today is not that day. Today is not that day. The probable cause affidavit for Allen's arrest was, and subsequent charges is temporarily sealed. There will be a public hearing in the future to determine how soon the documents could be unsealed. Allen is currently in custody. Uh, and is being held without bond. He entered a not guilty plea during initial hearing Friday. 
Um, Kimberly, if you're trying, you know, I've said what I had to say. Are you trying to provoke me? I've already said what I said. I'll, if he wants to email me, if I've, uh, have all the respect in the world for DA Rourke. I'm just, uh, if he wants to email me, he knows my email and we can set up something and we can prepare something. Um, and you know so much, why would you need any more preparation? Are you trying to provoke me, Kimberly? Uh, Shri, if she continues this, just block her. I've had said all I've had to say. That's it. All right. If he wants to I'll have no problems, I got along great. I got along with his assistant Irma very well. If he wants to email, we, we can do that. We're just not doing it tonight. Once again, Sheree, I'm not going to continue that if, you know, this, this is starting to sound weird. Uh, on February 14th, and I don't recognize, uh, you know, I just, I don't know. On February 14th, 2017, the bodies of 14-year-old Libby and 13-year-old Abby were found one day after they went for a hike on the Mon Mon High Bridge, part of the Delphi Historic Trail system. And for the five years that followed, the questions questions of who killed the best friends and why why has heavily weighed on the Carroll County town of Delphi and beyond. Those questions may finally begin to be answered during the morning's press conference. So far, sources have confirmed to Fox that Richard Allen worked at a local CVS and his home was searched all last week with investigators focusing on a fire pit, although it was unclear how long he may have been on law enforcement's radar. Allen has never been publicly named publicly as a figure in the Delphi investigation. It's unknown if he has any connection to Ron Logan, the owner of the property where Libby and the Abbey were found. The FBI carried out a warrant to search his land on March 17th. According to the search warrant, Logan created a false alibi for his whereabouts the day of the murder and his cell phone ping near where the body's girls were, the body, girls' bodies were found. He died of COVID-related complications in January. He was never charged. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Okay. So that's something I guess we'll be following now for the rest of the year and the next year. Uh, it kind of does sound, though, at this moment that um, – we may not know any more information than we know until a trial starts, if there's going to be a trial. I think we have to be prepared for that. So, and thank you, Sheree, for taking care of that. I, I, um, yeah, let me just, let me just check something very quickly. Yeah. And just so all of you know, um, whoever that person was saying that, I've got no emails uh, from the DA's office. So once again, uh, Michael Rourke or Assistant Irma, if this, if you want to come talk to uh, you know me, if you've watched this, if you want to talk to me, you know my email. I have all the uh, uh, my I'm just doing my job as a reporter, as my experience of six years. Nothing against any of you. You treated me fantastically. I was treated fairly. Thank you. If you'd like to talk about this and do a media media appearance on Unfound, just email me at unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. You know my email. You know my phone number too. If you want to do that, let's do it. I'm all for it. Absolutely, 100%. But I'm not going to take it as being real just because um, this person came into the live show tonight. Philadelphia. I'm going to move on to these because uh, I announced I would be talking about this tonight. Fate kidnapping Philadelphia who just killed the Steelers yesterday 
A former Pennsylvania woman who made national headlines more than a decade ago by falsely claiming she had been kidnapped when she actually gone to Disney World is facing new charges in an attempt to steal from an employer. Federal authorities have charged 51-year-old Bonnie Sweeten of Delanco, New Jersey, with two counts of wire fraud, alleging she forged checks and made fraudulent dis- purchases with a company credit card. U.S. Attorney Jacqueline Romero said Monday that the former Feasterville resident was hired in 2017 as a bookkeeper for an unnamed Doylestown excavation firm headed by someone who had known her for many years. Prosecutors allege she used her position and access to issue dozens of company checks to herself, still checks mailed to the firm and fraudulently endorse them over to herself and make tons of thousands of dollars of personal purchases on the company credit card. Uh, authorities said in 2009 that Sweeten called 911 claiming she and her nine-year-old daughter had been carjacked by two black men and stuffed into the trunk of another vehicle. Authorities said she was actually on her way to the airport to fly to Florida using a co-worker's identification card and feared arrest in a fraud case. She and the child were found unharmed the next day at a Disney World. She served nearly a year in state prison for the hoax. I guess she did not learn her lesson. So she faked a kidnapping over 10 years ago, and now she's committing fraud. Uh, You know, in my world, pretending that you're kidnapped is much worse than fraud, given what we do here and the seriousness of what we do and what we cover here. When people fake, you know, say they're kidnapped and weren't, then that just undermines the entire... um, the entire attitude toward disappearances and real kidnappings. But more recently, a totally different person, in Helena, West Helena, Arkansas, a man who faked his own kidnapping is now facing a list of charges, according to police. Helena, West Helena Police. That's actually a place. Helena, West Helena. Never heard of it. Said a woman came into their station early Tuesday morning to report her son missing. She said that her son, 26-year-old Frederick Gamble, made a post on Facebook claiming that he had been kidnapped, according to police. Investigators began looking for Gamble and eventually found him at a home on North 10th Street in West Helena, or Helena. I think it's Helena if it's Montana. But when uh, authorities carried out a search warrant on the home, they said they found Gamble with his girlfriend, 42-year-old Nicole, sorry, his girlfriend, 16 years older, nice work if you can get it, and realized that the kidnapping was a hoax. Police arrested Gamble and charged him with a with filing a false report, felony possession of a far, firearm, and possession of a controlled substance. Gamble was also charged with uh, was also charged with charges from a traffic stop the day before on October 24th, according to police. From that incident, he received charges of fleeing, three counts of failure to stop at a stop sign, driving on a suspended driver's license, carelessness, and prohibited driving and defective equipment. Rorschach was also arrested and charged with hindering apprehension or prosecution. So I think we can kind of decipher uh, what went on here. And that is, you know, he got in trouble the day before, and then he was, he was running away. He was trying to avoid the charges. And uh, he told people, um, he said he had been kidnapped, maybe looking for some sympathy, given that he had broken the law just the day before. Um, so, uh, we have this, uh, story of, you hate this stuff. 
Uh, these people, I have to admit, when it comes to white collar crime, um, I, I'm not very forgiving there, but but I'm really, 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 really not forgiving, given that it's the work that I do. When people start faking their own kidnappings, we could go back to Sherry Papini and all that. All that does is make people leery of all of the real cap- kidnappings and all of the real um, disappearances that occur. And that's why uh, myself and I think all of you, when it, when it came to Sherry Papini, uh, want her prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. However, I did add in there that it seems to me that Sherry Papini also has something going on. She, I, I don't know if she's just necessarily evil and everything else. Maybe she regretted getting married, as a lot of people do, and she took it to extremes. Certainly possible. But I'm certainly open to the idea that there might be something going on up in that head of hers that also needs fixed, that she may need some mental health help. And if that is the case, if that is determined, I hope she gets that while she's in jail. So she can become a better person. Okay. Maybe very much like Steve Pankey. Whether he did it or not, Steve is a unique guy. And I don't think that his uniqueness, his his mental health has been a benefit to him over the course of his life. Once again, whether he killed Janelle or not, his attitude toward the public and toward life and toward all these things out there, uh, I think has been very unhealthy for him. So um, what's everybody saying here? Uh, Shri, thank you for blocking uh, the person. As Shri says, the DA has always been professional in contacting Ed. They wouldn't act like that Kimberly is a troll. Talked him into it. I just joined, and you may have already covered this. The PC affidavit is sealed for 30 days. Media will cover file suit to unseal it. I did talk about that all right. But that's okay. Talk to me. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, Veronica sounds like a lovely guy. Yeah, Latoya. People are so dramatic. All you had to do is go off with this woman. Sigh. Latoya. Hello, Latoya. Latoya from Harlem. Well, Latoya, I don't know if I've seen you in the, the chat before. Thank you for joining in tonight. I hope you're well. Talk to me says, I understand and agree that it should be public information, but that is what they did. And Latoya says, wasn't Papini with her side piece? She was. She was at the next boyfriend. And that's how she, they eventually unraveled this whole thing because they found male DNA on her that happened to be his. And when he was tracked down, he just completely, completely, completely spilled the beans on her. So, but you're right on that, Latoya. Thank you. So we got that. We got a couple people faking the kidnapping. So now I want to move on to this. And it has to do with a couple of children. Uh, So when I say children, I mean people under the age of 18. I don't mean five-year-olds. Both who were found uh, alive, one much longer in time than the other. But first, a 16-year-old teenager who vanished from her home in Raynham, Massachusetts last week has been found safe in New York City. The Raynham Police Department says Colleen Weaver, whom they previously believed was in danger was tracked down late Thursday with the assistance of the New York City Police Department and the FBI. We are very glad to have found Colleen and that she'll soon be reunited with her family. This was the best possible outcome we could have hoped for, and I want to commend the tireless efforts of our 
dedicated officers and our partners in the NYPD and FBI who helped to locate her. Prior to her being found, Weaver was last reported seen on October 18th. So she was missing for uh, maybe 12 days, something like that. So what frustrates me, and I, I posted this story in the group, and I, and, I, and I posted it with this comment. What frustrates me is that we'll probably never know what actually happened. And for myself, and I think many of you who study disappearances, and we, you're not into disappearance just for the sensationalism, because you just got to know, you got to know, you got to know. But you, you're actually really curious and are hoping you know, to learn that information so that maybe we can then apply it to a disappearance like Jennifer Perry or um, you know, the, the other children who we've gone, who've gone missing, who we think, uh, you know, it's somewhat questionable as to maybe what happened. Maybe we could apply it to Mark Allen. Sure. Maybe that too. Um, some of the other disappearances, let me just uh, maybe give some of the other ones that, you know, knowing more about this young girl's reason for running off to, New York City and everything. Where is it? I know I went to um, Leanne Hosberg. How about Leanne Hosberg? Does this not sound a lot like Leanne Hosberg's disappearance? Of course, she was in New York City. But it would be helpful to us. I realize, especially since she's a minor, protecting your privacy. But it would be nice eventually if we just found out you know did she did she get lured to new york city by by someone did she meet some guy up in massachusetts who drove her down there was this some sort of sexual maybe did she have a secret boyfriend and i'm not doing this just to be like uh you know uh because i'm um you know like the national Enquirer or something information might help some of us out here who look at disappearances and try to figure them out. Just maybe. So, um, but we'll probably never know. You know. Uh, and I have written here my, uh, if the public is going to be asked to help, I, I, this is my attitude. I wrote it here. If the public is going to be asked to help with a disappearance, then the public deserves to know why it was why it was pulled into something that might not have been real. If not, you know what happens? People stop paying attention. If you're going to keep asking us for help and then not give us actually what actually happened eventually after you asked us to keep our eyes open for whatever, you know, for whatever allegedly happened, the public will tune it out. They'll just tune it out. I'm not saying we need to know every single little detail, but if you want the public's help, it would help if you gave back to the public once in a while as well. Um, Delane says, hey, Ed, I made a Monday night late, but I made it. Delane, thank you for uh, making. I know you have a lot of things going on. Good to see you. So the other child returns story is a child returns after two years. Olga Castillo Olivares, a 61-year-old teacher, 
has been arrested by the Rancho Cordova police for allegedly hiding teenager Michael Ramirez for two years. She was arrested on suspicion of detention of a minor with the intent to conceal from parents and contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Ramirez was only 15 years old when he was reported missing by his family on June 9, 2020. His family said he ran away after an argument, and he was last seen leaving his family home in Rancho Cordova. Ramirez inexplicably, inexplicably, that's a word I can't say, inexplicably returned home on March 11, 2022, according to the Sacramento Sheriff's Department. They discovered that Ramirez had been allegedly staying with a friend, and Olivares was the mother of that friend. Katie Smith, Ramirez's aunt, who's also one of his legal guardians, told KCRA the teen had been living with Olivares the whole time. She said, you think the worst. You think the absolute worst. We felt so robbed of all this time with him. You just can't hide someone's kid and think that's okay. Olivares is listed as a second grade teacher at the Alice Bernie Waldorf-inspired K-8 kindergarten to eight school. And she's considered an employee of the Sacramento City Unified School District. The Sacramento City Unified School District told People Magazine, the charges found are for acts unrelated to the employee's assigned duties. The employee has been placed on administrative leave pending the outcome outcome of a district investigation. Um, And, of course, this is important given we just covered the disappearance of Mark Allen, who it does seem that Mark was in a home that was maybe not as solid uh, as would like. You know, I know his brother Chris was the guest, loves his brother very much. But the fact is, Mark got moved around a lot. And so if we hear this story about this young man, 15 years old, went to this teacher's house and the teacher said, yeah, I'll just take you in. And the, the teacher really took him in. Then is it even possible that this could have happened to Mark Allen too, that he was you know, frustrated, depressed, sad about being moved around. He was with his mother and then he got taken to his father in Minnesota and then he got shipped back to Des Moines, Iowa, you know, not having, you know, really a hold on and living, growing up in a neighborhood, having friends for a long time and all of that. Maybe it's not so crazy to think that when he walked off that night, he wasn't walking to a friend's. He was walking to maybe some teacher's house that he trusted and something like this happened rare i don't know if i would put any money on it but i'm reading the story here it happened so you just don't know you you, you have to wonder what kind of person whether the person is a teacher or not you know you're just kind of at home one day and a 15 year old who is the son of your son's shows up and then suddenly you think you know what i'm going to take this boy and i'm going to hide him from everybody i just so remember this kid wasn't snatched he was there by choice and this adult chose to go along with it or probably came up within her head her own head i i gotta tell you i'm so glad i'm not a parent i i wouldn't trust anybody I, 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 you know, even though I'm the swinging single guy and everything, if I had kids, 
I'd be living out in the middle of nowhere and the kids would never see anybody. I'm joking about that. But you know what I mean? When you read stories like this, uh, I give all the credit to all you, all you uh, parents out there who manage to raise your kids and they become adults and find citizens and everything else. Cause it's just a bizarre word out there. It's just so crazy. Um, Kathy's talking to Shree about the Astros. Uh, Shree says that teacher sounds so disgusting. What's wrong with her? Gross. Hello, Sarah. We're almost done here, Sarah. Uh, but um, good to see you tonight. I hope you're well. Maybe you're doing a little Halloweening tonight. That's why you're late. If so, I completely understand. And now I'm going to read one more um, story. And then we'll get to this Friday's episode. Faked. Death. This is going to sound familiar to you, being that we recently had the death of Olivia Newton-John, and we know that lover of hers vanished from a boat. See if this sounds familiar. A New York doctor facing 30 years in federal prison for his alleged role in a $100 million fraud ring disappeared in the Atlantic Ocean earlier this month and remains unaccounted for. Authorities received the report of an alleged collision involving Dr. Marvin Moy a passenger, and an unknown larger vessel 25 miles offshore just after midnight on Thursday, October 13th, according to the Coast Guard. A spokesman told Fox News Digital the passenger had been rescued from the water, but the whereabouts of the doctor and his boat are unknown. The Coast Guard also interviewed several larger vessels in the area, but found no evidence that corroborated the story of an overnight crash. The Coast Guard makes no conclusions as of right now. A 47-foot boat uh, from the Coast Guard station recovered the passenger, and officials said he was transported to a hospital in stable condition. Authorities have not released his identity. A 30-hour search covered 4,800 nautical miles and recovered only Moy's emergency beacon, which he was allegedly holding when the passenger last saw him. The search was suspended the following day without any signs of Moy, but authorities said they were keeping an eye out and an investigation was underway. Although the active search has been suspended, Coast Guard units will continue to monitor the area. Moy is among 13 individuals indicted in January, of, I guess of 2022, in an alleged insurance fraud, money, money, money laundering, and bribery scheme worth $100 million, according to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. Although the active search has been suspended, Coast Guard units will continue to monitor the area for significant sightings and additional information. Moyes among 13 individuals indicted. I already read that. Moyes an avid fisherman, according to the New York Post, which described his Manhattan apartment, uh, apartment as more like a fishing cabin than an Upper East Side flat. But an unnamed friend told the paper it would be unusual for him to have gone on a midnight fishing trip during the work week. So, so he and his boat are missing. Got to believe this guy's on the run. Although, like I said, this happened way back on, what was the date here again? October 13th. So it's been two and a half weeks now. I guess they haven't found him. I wonder where he is. Let's see here. Um, you know, where could you go from? Uh, it sounds to me like, you, you know, if, of course, if you take off from Florida, 
I mean, you can, in a, in a, in a boat, you know, Cuba's only 90 miles away from like Miami, or you could go out to the Bahamas to get away. But if you're up in the New York area, there's not many places to go except just to another place in the United States. Maybe you went down shore and drove the boat ashore in New Jersey or Maryland or something, or maybe you went the other way, went up into the New England States. Or maybe you just drove straight off into the Atlantic until he ran out of gas and committed suicide. I'll keep an eye on this one. We'll see if they can track him down. But um, certainly does remind me, like I said, of that guy didn't put it here but that guy who had been the boyfriend of olivia newton john who got in some trouble and then he went missing during some sort of fishing trip but it wasn't his own boat so um veronica with the eyes uh sure i sure says i just saw an update on the girl that went missing last year on that catamaran her family wants cctv off the bar anyone remember I did see that, Shree. Uh, unfortunately, I did not include it for tonight's show, but I did see that. Maybe if it's uh, – I can cover that next week, uh, whether there, de- there are developments or not. Maybe you want to remind me on that. All right, let's move to this Friday's disappearance. We're going to Tennessee. We've been there a few times, of course. Um, Judith Emke disappeared from Tennessee. It's going back to, like, 2019. Remember, there was a – did she uh, run off? Did her husband kill her? Did her next door neighbor, who was like the guy on the side, kill her? And Tennessee, unfortunately, also was Devin Bond committed suicide. And I think we've covered at least one other disappearance from Tennessee. Well, we're going back there again to Clarksville, Tennessee, for the disappearance of Mary Alice Cox. She disappeared on March 20th, 2004. Her daughter, Connie, who uh, did a spectacular interview and the audio is, is great because she has her own studio because she does like, uh, she's, uh, a nurse now and she does teaching online, I think for nurses. So she had this really cool setup. You'll see it. If you watch the video version on YouTube come Friday, but Mary was 54 years old and I titled this episode, uh, the golden years. That is the title of it. Maybe because, um, Iron Maiden has a song called the wasted years, but the song was originally titled the golden years. You have to hear the song. Uh, it's one of their more popular songs, although they, they did not play it, uh, at this particular concert, but also I titled it that because in talking to Connie and looking over disappearances that could be like Mary's, I suddenly realized, you know what? We haven't covered, uh, you know, I have this thing, you know, how I've really tried to avoid covering the disappearance of children, even though we have, we just did that with Mark Allen. Really, we have not covered the disappearances of too many people under the age of 18. Well, in looking at Mary's case, guess what? We really haven't covered the disappearance of too many people over the age of 50 either. That has not been planned. Not covering a lot of cases over the age of 18 is planned. But not covering the uh, the disappearances of like people around my age and older, that's not been planned. And I just have a list of some of the people, you know, they're, uh, what Robert, just coincidentally, Robert Wayne Cox, uh, was over 50, Nicholas Masucci, Jack Hemby, David Hardy Jr. 
And you may be thinking, well, what about Helen Diamond? She went missing from Michigan. Well, no offense to Helen, but I know looking at her picture, she looks like she's 60. Well, she was only 48 when she went missing. So I'm going to take a look at why is it that we've not covered many disappearances of older people? Why is that? Because it has not been a conscious thing. I guess what I'm saying is most of the people who we cover on Unfound are between the ages of 20 and 40. But the circumstances are that uh, Mary was living by herself. She did have a history of mental issues, but on this particular day, she spoke to her uh, daughter Connie on the phone. She seemed fine. Maybe Connie maybe got the idea that she might not, that Mary might not have been taking her medicine just as she should. But uh, Mary said she was just going to walk down to the store, which was not that far away, to get some cigarettes. And then she'd been back. She would be back. Never seen again. But the weird thing, maybe one of the weird things about this disappearance is that Connie uh, was living in Florida, coincidentally, at the time. But she found out her mother was missing and finally was able to get back to Tennessee two weeks later. And right around that same time is when a fisherman found Mary's purse floating in the river that goes through Clarksville. So two weeks after Mary disappears, that is when her purse is found floating in the river you would think if it was in there the day she went missing it would have been well 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 down river by that time but two weeks later is when her purse was found in the river not sure what to think of that right at this moment but that will be this friday mary alice cox clarksville tennessee march 20th 2004 daughter connie diffenderfer fantastic last name by the way uh is the guest Mary's 54 years old. The title of the episode will be The Golden Years. And we're going to take a little look at older people who go missing. And what is the, what are the reasons that these th- they go missing? And is it different from the reason younger people go missing? We're going to try to get into that a little bit as the theme of this episode. So that's it. What do we do tonight? Halloween, of course. I hope everybody uh, had a fantastic Halloween. Talked about this new bridge that I got put in, in my mouth. Powerball tonight. Of course, the drawing's happening right now. I may be a, a half billionaire right now, and I don't even know it. Talked about my car getting painted. Talked about the Iron Maiden concert. The Mark Allen poll. Newsletter tomorrow. Unfound now out next week. Did a long talk regarding Steve Pankey and how he's found guilty. Delphi murders. Talked about a couple kids uh, who were found alive. I guess very, for- of course, very fortunately. Talked about a couple people who faked kidnappings. Talked about a guy who might probably faked his own death. Finished it up with this Friday's episode, the disappearance of Mary Cox. That's all I got. Keep your head on a swivel all the time. It's been a fantastic night, Sheree. Thank you for moderating. Thank you everybody for making some time on this Halloween. And you will see and hear me on Friday. Good night, everyone. And remember, once again, give this video a thumbs up. Good night.